<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Ladies and gentlemen, record geeks, retired plate spinners, and millennials who want to impress their parents with their record collections. Welcome to the Rhino Cast Podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Get ready for new releases, deep tracks, and conversations with your favorite artists and bands, and balloons for the kiddies. And now, your hosts with the most, Rich Mahan and Dennis the Menace. On this episode of the Rhino Podcast, we get a behind-the-scenes look into the new Miles Davis record, Rubber Band. Rubber Band, Rubber Band, Rubber Band. Hey, Dennis. Hey, Rich. How's it going? It's going well. I have a question for you. Have you gotten the reaction that I've gotten from folks about Rhino Insider? Yeah, everybody that I talk to about Rhino Insider personally loves it because they're already there anyway. They're at Rhino. They're on Rhino's social media. They're on Rhino.com. They're listening to Rhino podcasts. And when I tell them, you know what, you can get points. It's a rewards program and you can get great stuff. For the things you're already doing, it's a no-brainer. They sign right up. And of course, for those of you just finding out about Rhino Insider, it's Rhino's loyalty program. It's for music fans in the U.S. If you're 18 and over, you can join for free, and you get points in partaking in activities and, and connecting with Rhino. Then use your points to redeem for rewards. It's pretty awesome. So by engaging with Rhino on social media, telling Rhino what kind of music you like, reading articles on rhino.com, listening to this podcast, which you're already doing, watching videos, and making purchases, you get points that you can redeem for turntables, vinyl, box sets, cool Rhino swag and apparel, exclusive content, and discounts on even more music that you want to buy in the future. So it's pretty cool. Sign up today, folks. You go to rhinoinsider.com, click on Become a Rhino Insider, and then you'll get an email asking you to confirm your email address. And once that's done you can start earning points. So sign up today at rhinoinsider.com. Dennis, what do we have today for the folks? This is definitely the We Are Family episode because we have Miles Davis's son, Aaron, and his nephew, Vince Wilburn Jr. And we are talking about a brand new, and literally brand new because it was never released, Miles Davis album called Rubber Band. Interesting. And were Miles' son and nephew involved in this record? Yes. The two original producers, Randy Hall and Zane Giles, worked with Vince Wilburn Jr., who is Miles Davis's nephew, and he performed on the original album sessions. So this is one of those, those albums out of time, meaning that it was made back then, but it's very much brought up to today. Well, I bet people are going to be really interested to hear why it was shelved. I'm sure you guys cover that in the discussion. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's many a tale. And the most intriguing thing about all of this is, again, this is family. This is nephew and son. And the insider stories they have about what Miles is all about are worth the price of admission alone. Oh, this is great. Well, you know, there's kind of a Miles moment happening right now. You got the Miles documentary, The Birth of the Cool, out, and this record is out. So what fortuitous timing? As only Rhino could bring you, this is a very one-on-one conversation. Would you introduce yourselves, please? Vince Wilburn Jr., the nephew of Miles, Sir Miles Dewey Davis. I am Aaron Davis, a Miles' youngest son. We're, we're here to talk about Rubber Band, and, and this is going to be fun because one of the things we like to do on the Rhino Podcast is cause a little controversy, you know, cause a little, rustle things up and get to the truth, and that's, that's going to be, uh, look at the look. Like TMZ? I, like, like TMZ, yeah, exactly, like that. What I want you to do, you introduced yourselves, but... I want you, Vince, to go a little deeper because we know we're going to find out a lot about what you did on Rubber Band and you were there for the original project. We both were. There you go. So, but give me a little bit of of back history, some things that that don't necessarily come out in the mix all the time. Growing up in Chicago, south side of Chicago, you got to picture this. Uncle Miles would come to, to Chicago, play Chicago. And my parents, we would go, back in the day, you didn't have TSA, you could, you could meet the... Uh, passengers at the gate so coming from the gate back to the car he would always get stopped you know i didn't know the magnitude of of who he was when i was a kid but you know people wanted to shake his hands get autographs i was like it it didn't dawn on me like smiles davis until later on one of the things that struck me is i would never want to be in the audience with my parents to see the performance i always wanted to stay in the wings You know, for some reason, I just wanted so, to be. So a, you, you already. I didn't want to sit that, in the audience. Yeah, you I didn't. had that snobbery going. Well, forward. it was yeah, snobbery, snobbery. My you already uh, knew. our publicist calls me bougie, but <laughs> you know, it was captivating to witness it as a kid. For any kid, if they're in, in the music, from you know, because you get another perspective. Oh no! You I see know. the band. You see the interaction of the musicians. You see the stage hands. You know the the lighting, the sound, the uh, monitor mixer. Even back then, you know, you see all this the workings of a concert. I gravitate towards the drums, and I don't know if it was Tony playing Tony Williams or Jack DeJohnette, but Tony Williams told Wallace Roney, the, the trumpeter, that he knew I was going to be a drummer. My mom would always make me have a haircut, get a haircut. Because <laughs> I knew Uncle Miles was coming, and I always knew Uncle Miles would get me a hamburger for room service. Yes. I mean, that's that's the kind yes. of, a kid thing. Had kid the same thing. thing. You know Except what I mean? for the haircut part. Kids thing. <laughs> I, was you always know? Trying to, I was always trying to work that burger. Right? And then, back then they had record uh, guys, exec, you know, record uh, promotion guys. Right, the promo guys. So there was a guy named Granville White, Granny White, God rest his soul, that would bring the stacks of records and deliver them personally to the house. I would just go in the basement and listen to this, these records. And as time went on, I wanted to play drums. Uncle Miles said, Dorothy, get him a drum set. But if it's, you know, don't spend a lot, you know, get him an inexpensive kit. You know, and if he sticks with it, then I'll get him a kit. And so. And here we are that was today. It. Yeah. So the two of you, we know we could go years about you growing up. I want to know about the two of you and your interaction. <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit of trouble. Uh oh. Because I'm not going to do like, what was it like to live with dad? This is not that podcast. That's a whole another. That's a documentary in it itself. But tell me about the two of you 
collaborating before you were collaborating, if you know what I mean. Well, I don't know if it was a collaboration. I would just <laughs> ask him a thousand questions. I started going on the road with the band in 1985 in the summer. I was 14, and he was playing drums. You know, it was the best thing ever I'd ever seen. Like, I just wanted to be a part of that forever. So I started working on the road crew. He would be playing and sweating, and you know, they were cooking some song or something. He would be waving me over, and I'd be like, oh, you need something. So I'd run over there. I'm 14, right? And he would, like, give me a kiss, like this wet kiss with all this sweat. And then I'd be like, man, look at the look you on me his over face. here for that? Sometimes <laughs> it would be like, you know, there would be an issue, like, I need more snare, I need more miles, I need more bass, I need whatever in the monitor. But instead it was like, come up here and get sweaty with me. <laughs> I can't take this kiss with you. But, man, those days, I mean, here's the guys that were in the band back then. It was John Schofield, Daryl Jones, Steve Thornton, Vince, Robert Irving III, and um, the dearly departed Bob Burke, who also took me under his wing, which was I thought was, was a really cool person. Man. I miss him. But, man, those cats, I mean, I had Schofield showing me pentatonic scales in my room because Chief, we called Miles Chief. He would make me, he'd be like, you can't just sit around here all day. You guys have John show you something on guitar. You know, and I'm like, okay. So that was right in the transition time when they went to, he, he made the move. Like he were doing, they were touring You're Under Arrest, which was on Columbia in 85. Yes. And then in 86, they were on to You're Warner doing Brothers. my segue here. Thank you for this. Sure. Because Anytime. here we go. You did it well. Well done. <laughs> Let's set the scene. Miles was living in Malibu. And New York, yeah. And New York. New label. Yeah. What was the tipping point? What was the reason, after all those friggin' years at Columbia, to, to go out to Warner's? I mean, I don't know what you think, but to me, it's always that change, that need for change. You know, You know, we've done all this stuff at... Not, nothing to do with Clive, perhaps? No, I, don't Clive. Know. I don't know about Not that. Not Clive? No? I don't no? know about that. I, I just know that if you, if you, if I could say, for instance, if Tommy were, Tommy LaPuma were to come meet with him, have dinner, and tell him what kind of stuff he wanted to do, hey, I want to get you with the, some young producers or whatever he was, you know, that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. At the time, Warner Brothers had the, the hot acts. I mean, if you think about it, Columbia was, you know, one of the prime entities of the record business. Classic. You know, it still is, but we had like three of them. Like they had Warner's, they had Atlantic, and they also had all the electrics, Electra, Electra, stuff. and Sire, and the Asylum and Sire, and, and Sire, on and yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. They had they, a bunch of Squiddy Politti, all those guys. Yeah, Squiddy Politti. They did the perfect way. He did perfect way. Recorded perfectly. Yeah, that's a groove. Yeah. You know, it's just admiration. You know that there are a bunch of, of of acts, not just on Warner Brothers, but a, a lot of Aaron. You can attest to this. They love Miles. You know. And, and and when they found a chief dug them, I remember when Chief recorded with with Toto. Amazing. You know, David Page and I talked about that. But it's, you know, Aaron and I were privy, in the hot seat and blessed enough to to you know, to 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 witness that. Aaron rode to the to the studio when they were doing Rubber Band, with 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 wood tapes on. Purple Rain. <laughs> Purple Rain over and over. It's on repeat. <laughs> you remember Auto Reverse? Oh yeah. Cassette deck. Oh yeah. I still have one. We had a Rolls Royce that that Cicely and Miles bought from their manager, a silver race. How many two. times? Go? I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> we would get there having heard it once. They had at twelve least. copies of the cassette, and then we would hear it on the he way back. 
No, he oh, just left it in there. Yeah. It just just played. Wow. Yeah. Remember when they had a, a VCRs in cars and in limos? Yeah. He had a Richard Pryor VCR oh, that we played. All that he loved Richard <laughs> Pryor, Sunset Strip. So set the scene for me a little bit on, you know, first record and and he's l- listening to all this stuff. And then you start going in to make a record with the producers. Mm-hmm. And how does that how does that even start? Well, me, this is Vince. I mean, personally, I think he wanted a pop hit. You know, he wanted. This is where I'm wanted, going. He wanted to be radio friendly, and and and, and Warner Brothers was very radio friendly. You know, but also, uh, you, right? You got to consider that his ears were not genre based or time based. Exactly, he hated. So, so it didn't matter what year it was. Mm-hmm. If he if he thought that the notes and the musics and the tones were weaving together, to use Keith Richards' phrase, weaving together nicely, he would just like it. So whatever was going on on the radio that he liked in the 80s, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He dug it. But know. when you walk in the studio with the purpose of making a hit, that's always a tricky notion. Yeah, but, but it's not like, you know, you know, the concept you have to understand. He wanted to be radio and MTV accessible. So he, he, he reached out Yeah, he would say, to, how come I'm not on that? Yeah, and he'd, he'd reached out to, to Zane Giles, who had a string of hits at the time, and Randy Hall, who wrote Man with the Horn. And they went over to American Ray Parker Studio, and they started this the Rubber Band Project. So that was the was that the, that's my next thing. Was that the studio in North Hollywood? Yes, yeah. that was. So American, that was Ray. That was, that was Ray, Parker. Ray Parker, where Ray he Parker. did where he did we Ghostbusters all yeah. and all the Mr. Telephone Man, all the stuff. Yeah. Yes. And and was it was it the vibe? Was it the idea of getting a groove there? Well, that's where Zane and Randy felt comfortable, and 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 he and, and Uncle Miles, Doug Ray, you know. He, he wanted to be somewhere where it was comfortable, where people weren't like, oh, Miles Davis, you know. you know. Right. He's, plus, not, he's not going to Sunset Sound care, or whatever. Really? Huh? Did, he, did he care as long as the studio was functional yeah, yeah, and clean yeah, and yeah, yeah. operational? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, did. he was rec- recording in Van Gelder's living room, so I don't <laughs> right. think going to any decent studio. Any work. place. But he just felt comfortable around those guys. You know, Reggie Dozier. Reggie Dozier. Yeah, Reggie was the engineer, right? Lamar Dozier's yeah. brother. It's a team. So you get into the studio, but... The concept for this record was kind of different in terms of using, and again, it, was, it wasn't quite the thing it is today, you know, blah, 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 featuring so-and-so and using, you know, guest vocalists and all of that. They wanted a, who, Al Jarreau? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Who else? On the track. They wanted Al, he wanted Al, he wanted Shock on some things, but um, just kept moving, you know, and, and it couldn't, it was, it was going to happen, but it didn't happen. And, and then, and somehow, what Tommy stepped in and, and 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 kind of wanted to take Uncle Miles in another direction, and reached out. I guess that's when Marcus came in, and you know. Yeah. But but see see, Uncle Miles did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. You know, he did time after time. He did Human Nature for Columbia. I mean, those things. You know, he, he never wanted to be pigeonholed. So he felt Rubber Band was where he wanted to go. But it was great when um, we were working on it, you know. So, and, he'd, and he'd play it. You got a picture of this too. He'd play it at home as he was working on it, 
And so he'd have to replace the dailies at the house in Malibu. I mean, he was in a, am I right that he was in a really good place as he was beginning rubber band? Yeah. Yeah. Swimming at Pepperdine, eating right, you know, uh, exercising. So the so the vibe was great, Perrier. right? I'm trying to set the scene. Yeah, here. I mean, it, it, it was it was a, it was a beautiful time. Malibu was beautiful. Oh, it was Aaron and I were there, and and he would have the you know it was boxing. If we were, it was like a I call it Miles Davis University. So Aaron's room was next to mine, but Aaron had he had his drum set in the room, right in his bedroom, and he was listening to some great music, some music that Aaron liked, and then Uncle Miles was downstairs with. <laughs> with rubber band and then the MTV with the sound turned down and then I'm in my room trying to go between like Aaron who's that you listen to this is like this? a college dorm it was like yeah. it was it was it was even hipper than that you the know cool thing was, is is he's talking about like how chief would get the roughs the rough mixes from that day session and it would be kind of cool to get the so let's say you're in the you're in the studio Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and, and it's Saturday now. He's got Friday's tape. Be like, can I, can I check out Thursdays? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. What did, what was the feeling? Where was there a moment where you you said this is going to kill, or a moment where you said what what is going to kill? The, the record, roughs. the record, the roughs? yeah, the roughs. We were yeah. he worked them into the to the, uh, to show. the show. Yeah, they were we playing were doing it live. No, I know that's what I'm saying. He was doing the songs live, and people were digging it. I, right, like, personally, I I he gave me a tape, and it had. The track, give it up on it, mm, and then and mm. then I thought that was to me. I thought this is the coolest that's the single, the coolest mm. yeah, that's thing, the single. Right? Mm -hmm. right? So I played it, played it, and played it. Then I got a, I got somehow I got my hands on one of the rubber band roughs, and I thought, and it reminded me of J something that Janet Jackson did. And I thought mm. this is gonna be cool, man. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is gonna be cool. Next thing you know, next time, I don't know, a few <laughs> months later, <laughs> to see him, he had a whole new roughs, all the market stuff. <laughs> yeah, too, too. then we had to learn all of that. <laughs> so, so, you know? so, are you saying? So that... we were changing the set list. You got to. This is this is wow, Miles Davis. This is double right. Gemini. This is you got to be ready for anything. Right. So it's hard to question. You just accepted it, and Aaron and I would look at each other like, "Yeah, Chief is onto something else." So it wasn't like you didn't have like a moment like, "Oh, <gasps> what." <laughs> Seas parted and shit. You know, it's like it's, it's, it was a day in the life of being with Chief. This is a theory that I just kind of popped into my head. Mm. Also, let's say they had those ten or eleven tracks or whatever it was, and then maybe I, I feel like this was a Tommy thing. I feel like it was a Tommy Lapuma thing. And he maybe he said, "Well, let's see what Marcus has. Let's see what Marcus like. I want to put you together with Marcus." Now, I'm pretty sure. That Chief did not care if there was ten songs done, and you're gonna, we're gonna work on six more. He's just working. They're just, just let me hear him. He would be, let me hear what you got. And then when Marcus played him and stuff, he said, "Yeah, let's do that." So they start recording that. Next thing you know, you've got an album of Marcus's and Miles' material, and that came out. So I think maybe the, that that like what like you have two albums worth of stuff, and they said, "Let's go with it."
This is this is a three year journey to get to these eleven tracks. Mm-hmm. Well, Greg and, and and Rhino, Greg Brunswick and Rhino sent sent the tapes to Aaron and I. You know the uh, with with an idea of releasing it. So Aaron and I listened, and we talked, and we listened, and we talked, <laughs> and and you know we we I gotta say this we we get along, and and I learned a lot from my cousin because he he's he's he listens to a lot of different music. I do too, but we collaborate. I'm like Aaron, who's that? And then he'll call me and say, man, who says that? You know what I mean? So we go back and forth, and I trust his ears, and he trusts mine. So we were like, man, let's let's try to. We both agreed to try to bring it up to 2018, 2019, and on, because that's we think that's what Chief would have wanted. Instead of the '80s Simmons drums and the drum machines, and try to try to fuse the two, you know. And then we 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 bounced ideas off each other. We said we should include the original producers, of course, of course, Randy Hall and Zane Giles. And then we sent them the tracks, and then we started to to collaborate and have the rubber band project of now, which it and very much is. Which it very much is. Yeah, man. I, I, and 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 like Gary Bartz and Wallace Roney, those cats were like, man, this is cool. This is cool. You know. So so you have to be in that. You know, maybe not for the jazz purists, they dug it, but they they, they never dug where Miles was going. You know, we, it, yeah, it wasn't made for them. You know, and 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 the fact that that Ryan and I'm going to say this is because Greg is here. The fact that Ryan, Greg Brunswick, <laughs> the fact that Rhino shout out, yeah, and no, no, I'm serious, serious. And the guys got behind it. You know what I mean? They never said no to Aaron and I. They were like, okay, cool, make what's, it. What's the next move? Make it. So as you're sitting there and you're trying to make decisions of what to keep and what not to keep, give me, give me a <laughs> sense was, was, of you know it was the, the chief. Yeah, you're laughing. No, the, it's, the it's chief, crazy, the chief, right? the chief was there. He was there. <laughs> you know, he was there with us. He had to have been. He, he was there with us. And Aaron has a studio. I have a studio. Zane and Randy have recording studios. So it it was we, we know our way around the recording studio and we know the sounds. So not to pat ourselves on the back, but we kind of knew. These where, are complicated for anybody else other than you. Around, but if you're around Chief, you know. You, you kind of know. If you're just like just coming in on a project, you this know. This is the Harvard much. of. Yeah, uh, we know. Yeah. We knew, you know, and, and, you know, we bounced it off each other. It was a collaborative project steered by the Chief with Aaron, you know, myself and, and Zane and, and, and Randy. And then anybody that came in was like, that was it. That was like little sprinkles. You know, we were at the village. <laughs> Aaron had a room at the village at Jeff Greenberg, the village recording studios. We were comfortable wherever we worked. Aaron and I talked three or four times a day. Then Randy and Zen, we get conference calls and Greg. We I mean it's it it's it wasn't it was just it was it was it was it was, it was like butter. It just it came into play. Reggie Dozier, the original, you know, engineer. Yes, Lam- of Lamont. God bless him. Yes. You know. We we Absolutely. we God bless him. We um would run things off of him and Steve Halquist, another engineer. I talked to Ray. You know, Ray lives ten minutes from us. Ray for me, and and and, and Ray put his input in, and then Randy had some idea. It was great. It was great. You know. Let's talk about Carnival Time. Carnival Time is great. It was a great track, but for me, it makes my stomach drop because when I played in the band, I played electronic percussion, which is basically playing an octopad of samples of percussion 
And I had to take a solo on there, and I had to take two. If we played Carnival Time, then I had to play one in that, too, and I just I hated it. I just didn't want to play a solo on that thing. The tune, the tune itself was great. He loved playing it. It was like the crowd loved it. It was a good, it was a good, yeah. it was a good live track. Now this is I was in the band in 1990, and we were still playing it. Wow! Back then. Wow. Yeah. He that didn't, didn't go he didn't away. Ca- like wow. he didn't care if the song ever came out on a record. He was <laughs> like, "It was good. I'm playing it." We were doing rubber band before. We were doing rubber band before he was even released. And the audience is just gonna. I mean, it because years, it's, thirty years before. And the right. audience, it doesn't right. matter because it's Miles. So the audience, he could he could be playing Do Re Mi, and the audience is gonna be like, Man. "I'm when there. That, I'm when there." That, when the beginning of rubber band, people are like, "We did as an encore." You know, amazing. He didn't. They didn't know what they were. They didn't know what they were. It's kind of cool if you got to If you think about it, you just you're just going for the experience Mm because you don't know what he's going to do. CIC Adam Holzman. Adam was was working at Goodman Music in North Hollywood as, a, as a, selling synthesizers, keyboards, and 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 we needed some some Randy needed some programming or some sounds, and we reached out to Adam, and Adam came over to American and and brought the sounds or programmed the sounds, whatever we needed or whatever Randy needed, and and, and <laughs> Uncle Miles. This is like went on for about a few, you know, two or three days, and Uncle Miles said, "You got a passport?" <laughs> and he was in the band. Took him on the road. Took him yeah, to Europe. Yeah, for years. Europe. Yeah, for years. I used to set up his stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he had a Moog. Yeah, did he? He had a Moog. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he had a PPG and a Moog. He had great stuff. Great, great producer, keyboard player. You know, he's a good friend of to Aaron and I. this when Aaron and I decided to, to go with some modern sounds it's like everything fell into place and, and with Randy and Zane they were way ahead of they didn't say well it would be cool to leave it in the 80s everybody was like yeah let's, 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 let's tighten it up let's, let's, let's open it up you know and and so I, mean, like, I think it still retains a lot of that 80s yeah yeah oh no, but, 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 no but, doubt but right. I mean in terms of when I say you know make it modern in terms of the Layla Hathaways, the Lettuces, uh, the oh, Medina no Johnson, you know, Isaiah Sharkey, who plays with John Mayer, he's a guitarist on some of the stuff. Randy's guitar, percussionist, new percussion. I overdub drums. I mean, it's like you want to keep the spontaneity and the original vibe, but just kind of like put another thing on it. I think it would have been okay, 80 sounding, but this is fresh and this is something, you know, something new and different. With with the with the '80s bass, you know, with the those sounds, which are which are great, like you say, great to have. Tell me a track you got sent 
and then you were saying, and I'm not telling you to say this, but that you kind of, you know, your dad is right here, like right here as you're listening to that track. I mean, they're all like that, but, but give it up was the one that I really connected with. I mm. thought this is so cool, man. <laughs> You know, when Uncle Miles took the songs from Rubber Band and put them in the show, in the set list, so people started saying, well, where's that record? Yeah, yeah. I come, you all never released this that. This is where I'm going. So there was, a, there was a demand for Rubber Band before Greg even sent the doggone tracks to us. <laughs> you know, Aaron and I were like, well, yeah, maybe we should probably take a look at, you know, revisit Rubber Band. So that's why I said the chief was directing all the orchestrating. And Rhino sends the music. And, and I'm looking at, the, at some of the songs, Carnival Time. We did live maze. We did live. Oh my god! So this is so it's it's everything Give old. It so everything right? everything experienced is new again to a certain extent. Yeah, but you got to understand when Aaron was in the band and I was in the band, we were doing the music and it was never released. And a lot of times in Europe, right? Most of, we debuted yeah. a lot of it in I Europe. I mean, all, my most of my experience is in Europe. And so people were like getting like standing ovations for the music that was never released. Did, did Miles ever like when you're playing it live? Did he ever get off stage and say, "Man, we got to release that shit"? No, no. <laughs> no. Maybe this just isn't the great lost album. This is just the album that took 30 years. No, it was lost because it, it was, was shut down. You know, because we didn't finish it. So it was lost in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we but found it again. But it's found now? Yeah. Is there any learning in any of this for people who are listening about making music and what it really takes to get to something like this? Just trust your soul. Right, Cut? Yeah, I mean, you got to trust your instincts when you're working on music. Otherwise... And you're just trying to either copy somebody or please somebody or, you know, you got to just trust your instincts. Sometimes your instincts are to copy somebody or please somebody, but whatever. You just got to go with it. And, and I trust him. You know, because, because he, he's not only my cousin, he's, he's my son, and he's got great ears and a great, he's a great musician, you know, in his own right. You, you know, really. <laughs> no, no, you got to put, the, you got to keep this in. As in. When I used to knock on his door... And ask him who the hell was that on, on on that band, and I'm not a heavy metal cat, but you know he's you know I had to I had to know because I wanted to know. Yeah, but I mean I don't I didn't only like metal. I mean I would play I would I would go yeah. to his room and take his his guy tape, you know Teddy Riley and guy take that it's practice with that put it back, take a cameo tape practice that put it back, you know I was like playing with everything. But I will tell you this really quick on Wrinkle once there was a guy in the band named Foley. Who was he? Was a very funny guy. Like he was a great player. He played. He called it lead bass. It was a kind mm -hmm. of a four string gu guitar sort of thing. But he thought it was funny that I liked Metallica. We would play him this stuff in the bus, and we would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh about it. And then one day, for some reason, he got them to all play this one part of a song called "Damage Incorporated" by Metallica into Wrinkle. And I thought they were joking around, like in rehearsal. And I was like, ah, that's great. And don't, you know, whatever. And they did it that night at the coach house in San Juan Capistrano. What did she, Chief and did? And Chief, he blamed me. He said, did you rehearse the band? And I go, wow, no, 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 wow, no, 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 no. They wow, did that. I didn't wow, do that. Wow, wow, But he thought it was funny. 
He wasn't mad about it, but he was like, did you rehearse the wow. band? And wow. I'm like, no, 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 no. And wow. I wasn't in the band at that point. I was still on the road crew. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I didn't, would never do that. See, listeners never knew about that. Fans never knew about that. But that's what, you know, that's the, that's the life. It's the man, the legend. I bet you can't say this. My dang. What a colorful, fun conversation you had with Vince and Aaron. Sounds like you guys had a great time talking about Rubber Band. Yeah, well, you know, there's nothing like family to tell the truth and to tell the best stories. <laughs> you get the behind the scenes. I'm sure they saw sides of Miles that he didn't show to people outside of that circle. Yes, and now we all know it. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss the next Rhino podcast. Executive producer for Rhino Entertainment, John Hughes. Produced for Rhino Entertainment by Pop Cult and Rich Mahan Promotions. All rights reserved. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.